0: This is James Dolan, and you're listening to PF Tape Recorder. Hello there, I'm PF. This is my tape recorder. Who knew this about Andy McCluskey of OMD?
1: I think I'd probably be the same as you.
0: We'll find out why Andy thinks he's a lot like me in just a few minutes. It's a fanboy special here on the tape recorder. We're going to hear the new single from OMD. We'll talk to Andy in a special two-part interview. But first, as always, fake news. And now, fake news with me. An empty Russian cruise ship lost at sea for weeks has turned up some 1,300 nautical miles off Ireland's west coast. The Luaba, or Lova, was being towed from Canada to the Dominican Republic to be scrapped when a tug line broke in late January, setting the ship adrift. Ghosts could be seen camped out on the deck in little shanty tent-like ghost villages. Cuban President Raul Castro on Friday unexpectedly raised the possibility of leaving his post, saying he is old enough and has a right to retire. But he did not say when he might do so or if such a move was imminent. Political observers speculate that if the younger Castro steps down, he will either write his memoirs, retire out of the limelight, or become a contestant on Celebrity Apprentice. Overwhelmed by well-wishers, the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge have begun sending out thank-you cards, well, at least their office has. Uh, The Duke and Duchess of Cambridge were touched by your kind words, say the cards, following the wonderful news that they are expecting their first baby. It really was the most thoughtful of you, and the Royal Highnesses send you their warmest thanks and best wishes. For the convenience of the great British public, the couple is registered at Walmart and Tesco. And I'm not sure that joke is actually uh, Britishly accurate. Uh, I I believe Tesco is the large. uh, pfwilson84 at gmail.com for my British friends. Two months after launching a nationwide program to address school security, the National Rifle Association has begun to put together safety standards and risk assessment guidelines they say will help protect schools from future incidents of violence. In a related story, the National Fire Safety Council is about to unroll a plan that calls for more flammable liquids to be stored in schools. Under Armour has filed a suit in federal court in Baltimore against sports apparel rival Nike, alleging Nike has infringed on Under Armour's trademark by using variants of the phrase, I will, in promotional campaigns. Said a Nike spokesman... Go ahead, make my day. There's been a rash of tourists lost in central Arizona looking for the famed lost Dutchman Gold Mine, which is thought to be hidden near Apache Junction in that state. Many have been rescued by park rangers, and park officials don't mind visitors and the tourists, but insist the gold mine doesn't exist. A skeptical Glenn Beck was pulled out last Thursday. Aerosmith Steven Tyler believes he has spent millions on drugs over the years. Asked by Australia 60 Minutes, television program about the rumors that he spent twenty million dollars on drugs uh, that's not exactly true Stephen said and he shared his impression of the more accurate financial figure of six million dollars no probably more realistically five or six million dollars he said quote unquote but it doesn't matter you would also say I could snorted half of Peru or six American Idol winners new studies confirm that the average woman speaks about 20,000 words a day while the average man on the other hand hovers closer to 7,000 or a little over 10,000 if his wife says it's okay A new kind of lake monster has been found in the depths of Lake Tahoe, gigantic goldfish. Researchers trawling the lake for invasive fish species scooped up a goldfish that was nearly one and a half feet long and 4.2 pounds in weight. And when it swims around the bowl, it swims around the bowl. I'm not even sure what that means exactly. When Ted Nugent hits the road this year, he's calling us toward Ted Nugent's Black Power 2013, he writes on conservative website World Net Daily. The truth is the Democratic Party has been the engineer of the destruction of black Americans, and everyone knows it except the very people who need to know it the most, black Americans, he writes. And Ted will be delivering that message via songs Wango Tango, Jailbait, and Tied Up in Love. And that's been Fake News with me. you may remember, are a group of folks that are out to scientifically prove liberal media bias. And if you've listened to this program in the past, you know that they not only know nothing about science, but nothing about the media as well. So, uh, and add to the list of things that they don't know about, comedy. Yes, there I was, minding my own business on the face page, and uh, of course, saw the Newsbusters post about, uh, let me see, let me give it to you here, it says, This happened, MSNBC panel sits around and tells race jokes on the air! Now, seeing this is Newsbusters, I thought, this is probably some kind of nonsense, and uh, I was right. The show is uh, hosted by Melissa Harris-Perry, who uh, I don't really actually know or have ever heard of before, but um, she had some comedians and comedy writers on, they were talking race and race jokes. And on the panel uh, was Liz Winstead. She is co-creator of The Daily Show with Jon Stewart. And uh, the newsbusters got very upset because uh, political satirist Liz Winstead cracked a Klan joke. Here it is. It would have been kind of fun to see Herman Cain as the presidential nominee because there would have been mass suicides in the Klan. How dare Liz Winstead make fun of the Klan? That's, That's mean and racist making fun of white people who are prejudiced uh... so they're right there i'm suspicious of what newsbusters actually understands about comedy uh... this fellow was on as well white people will be a minority in america by twenty forty and there's some white people freaking out and i tell them don't There are some benefits first you get a month to celebrate your heritage <laughs> right. like history month you'll get at least a week like whitey week you know and celebrations that's a guy named dan Obadella, who i've actually never heard of but um... he's making fun of White people. So yeah, that's that's real racist. Um he's white by the way, he's half Italian, and half Palestinian, I believe, according to his bio. And um yeah, so uh Newsbusters assures us that if Fox News ever did anything like this and they would not, that the liberal media would go crazy. Well you're darn tootin' Fox News would never have someone like Dino Badella on their network. Dino Badala joins Kimberly and me here in uh, uh in our New York City. Thanks. Thanks. Thank, Thank you. you very much. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. And thank you, Geraldo, host of Geraldo at Large on Fox News. Uh, well, You, you come all this way, Dean. What do you have to say about, oh, I don't know, the Italians? I call him Sylvia the Situation. He should be on the Jersey <laughs> Shore. He could be in a hot tub with Snooki hanging out. When I watch the Jersey Shore, it looks like a Burlesconi cabinet meeting, to be quite honest. <laughs> I don't know about you. <laughs> I'm a little indignant right now. Okay, the heck with Fox News. It, 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 the heck with that. Uh, as you know, News Busters has a, a little fake news program they call News Busted. They put their up on the YouTube and on their website, and uh, it's hosted by this lady. I'm Jody Miller. And you can tell by the fake applause, she's got some integrity. She wouldn't stoop to telling some stupid race joke. Liberals all over cable news and social media mocked Senator Marco Rubio for taking a drink during his State of the Union rebuttal. So it's official. Liberals want to deny drinking water to Latinos. Okay, well, but not, you know, over and over. Okay, so uh, getting back to this MSNBC panel, uh, one of the uh, people on the panel here was a lady named Professor Anthea Butler, and uh, actually she's not even a comedian, and I think she had uh, one of the funnier jokes. We always had this joke when I was broke in grad school that if a black person said they were broke, it meant that they had negative in their bank account. A white person says they're broke, we never believed them because that meant they had $500. In it. <laughs> I don't know, PF sounds pretty racist to me. Yes, but you see, first of all, she's a black lady, number one. And number two, uh, I'm not really sure who's getting made fun of. I think actually both are getting made fun of in that instance. And you know what? I hate to be like this, but if you're white people getting made fun of, it's okay because we're the majority. I think we can take it. When you're the majority, you can handle handle it. Now, I know there's this argument, and it seems to be kind of the unwritten rule that you can make fun of yourself, uh, i.e. your ethnicity, uh, you know, sex, uh, race, whatever, um, but you shouldn't make fun of anybody else's because it's something they can't change easily. And and you can debate that. I know a lot of people say, well, there's Don Rickles, but Don Rickles kind of really owns that. That's his thing, and people know that that's a joke, and he, he truly does make fun of everybody. But if you're going to dabble in this kind of thing, then you know you either got to go in whole hog, or you've just got to you know stick to the rule of of, you know, uh, making fun of your own kind, as it were, because then people know you're kidding, see? So I can make all the French jokes and Irish jokes I want. My uh, three best friends growing up through the years, each were Italian. And my one friend, Rob, uh, calls when uh, you wake up in the morning and don't feel like getting into the shower and just using deodorant, he calls that an Italian shower. He's Italian. That's funny. And then well, we used to call when you'd run your, uh, get just get your hair wet and br- and brush your teeth, and we'd call that an Irish shower because I was Irish. So there, see? So uh, that's the kind of thing, you know, that that we're talking about here. Now, it's unfortunate that people, uh, newsbusters, can't quite get, the, get a handle on this. You know, if only there was somebody within the Newsbusters organization that knew something about comedy. I'm Jody Miller. No. Anybody else? Anyone? Hopefully you're like me when it comes to people fanboying about bands that you're not particularly interested in. Uh, For example, the uh, Rock Solid podcast that I recommend to you. They did an episode last year about Van Halen's new album. And uh, Pat Francis, one of the hosts, Van Halen fan, uh, Gary Lucy. Not so much. He's the other host. He's more of an alternative guy, even though he has a wide palette, and I think like some of the uh, more of your garden variety of rock and roll, you could kind of tell he wasn't a fan of Van Halen. They brought in a comedian named Mike Schmidt to help out, who's also a massive Van Halen fan, and they discussed the new album and everything. And it was interesting, even though I could give a toss about Van Halen, it was still interesting to hear these guys talk about the band, the history. And what was funny was just sitting there picturing uh, Gary Lucy's reaction, you know, about 45 minutes in thinking, you know, I think I've had about enough. But anyway, towards that end... Um as everyone knows, uh, what what do I like most in life? There's, you can boil it down pretty succinctly. My family, the Cleveland Browns, and Orchestra Manoeuvres in the Dark. And that's really that's really about that's really all you need to know about PF. And uh, OMD's new album comes out in April. It comes out April 8th in the UK, April 9th in America. I believe the single drops March 25th in the UK and probably March 27th in the US. And the single is called Electroland. We'll hear that a little bit later on. But I had an opportunity to interview Andy McCluskey of OMD because one of the songs on the album is called Atomic Ranch. I am a fan of a magazine called Atomic Ranch. It's about mid-century architecture, you know, homes built after the Second World War. Uh, they they call that uh, mid-century modern is the technical name for the architectural style. I'm a big fan. Andy McCluskey, big fan. And I told the magazine, hey, th- they, OMD has a song that's inspired by by the title of your magazine. So we put the interview together. It's going to run in the summertime uh, to coincide with the second leg of OMD's U.S. tour. So uh, we can all look forward to that. In the meantime, we're going to do this interview in two chunks because it's like a 35-minute interview, and uh, the show can only be about 30 minutes long. Otherwise, I'm not able to upload it. Uh, long story. So we'll hear the first half of my interview with Andy. Uh, I would note that, um, and I kind of explained this to Andy, that uh, one of the reasons I've stuck with OMD is the fact that they make quality music still. And there's a lot of bands. I'm, I'm not going to name names, but oh, let's say the band that OMD uh, toured with in the late 80s and played a big concert at the Rose Bowl. Those guys uh, made a couple more good albums after that, and then eh, it kind of fell off the cliff. Uh, as a band from Manchester that we know, uh, they were formed when uh, one of the members of their band passed away. They reformed under a new name. And they haven't made a, a good record in, in years and years. So if this hadn't been a good record, the last one hadn't been a good record, I, I wouldn't have bothered with any of this. But um, I think you're going to enjoy this. I think you should check OMD out. I'm a big, big proponent of OMD, particularly if you just know if you leave and possibly dreaming and you know maybe forever live and die. Uh, you should check out OMD, the whole catalog. And in the meantime, here is our interview with Andy McCluskey, Part One. How are you doing there? Good. Uh, this will be the uh, actually the third time we've done this. Are we lucky? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and uh, we've met twice before uh, as well. We did the interviews um, when you brought out Sugar Tax, and then I met you when you came to New York, uh, touring that, and then um, I interviewed you when the singles came out in '99-ish. I guess it was. And uh, wow!
1: So. It's still both a fair while ago, huh? <laughs> it
0: is, yeah. Well, then we bumped into each other um, when you guys were in Chicago on the first time with History of Modern Tour. I was going upstairs to interview Paul, and I bumped into you at the elevator.
1: Ah, right. So, yes, of course. Okay, I remember the hotel there,
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, that was... Uh...
1: Yes, no, Paul Paul, Paul Paul. does the interviews when I'm on tour because I. Uh, I... I, I, I Everybody's happy. I stay quiet when I'm
0: not on stage. <laughs> <laughs> I remember you telling me that, that you uh, have him do the ones on the road while you uh, do them ahead of time. Um, this interview kind of came about in a weird way. I'd seen in an interview with you after uh, History of Modern was wrapping up the tour that you had written a song called Atomic Ranch, and uh, you had, it was inspired <clears throat> because you picked up a copy of the magazine of the same name.
1: Certainly the, uh, the title comes from that, yeah, I mean, I I am an avid reader of a topic Ranch magazine. Whenever I'm in the States, I always buy a copy. Oh, great.
0: Um, now, I know you're uh, interested in architecture, of course, uh, like, probably the, the lay OMD fan probably knows that from just the title of an album like Architecture and Morality, but you also were going to go off to study architecture uh, before the band really took off. Mm-hmm.
1: No, I, I was going to be—I was going to be an artist. I was going to be fine art. Oh, really? I going to be applied art in architecture. Yeah, that—that's. Um, although having said that, a lot of my art was actually quite um, well. It was sculptural, but sculptural on a fairly substantial scale. It was um, quite large bits of. Um, rejected anything I could get my hands on that were hammered and nailed and screwed together and then painted black. So hmm. there were very large, kind of monolithic black constructions that were almost architectural on in scale but uh, no I was going to be an artist actually. So um I actually like the atomic I think, I think of, so did you ask to do this for them, or did somebody ask you to do this for them? How, how no, did this thing come about for well, Atomic Ranch?
0: Then? Well, this is that, That's the weird part. Is I was familiar with Atomic Ranch magazine as well, having an interest in that style of architecture. I grew up in an Atomic uh-huh. Ranch, although not a fancy one, just a oh, garden yeah. variety. Yeah. And the first house my wife and I bought was uh, a ranch style with uh, some of those elements. I've always kind of been interested in it. So when, and, and of course, you know, being a huge OMD fan. Uh, spoiler alert. Um, you know, that the two things just kind of came together, and I wrote them, and I said, you know, did you know that OMD have a song coming out of their next album called Atomic Ranch? And they were like, and the editor actually is pretty well-versed in OMD. She ran off a bunch of songs, and he goes, oh, yeah, they're an old, gay, and not just the hits. I mean, you know, the hits uh, here, I mean. You know, but she she's quite versed in uh, the OMD catalog, so it just all kind of came together serendipitously,
1: I guess. Oh, right. Yeah. It's this Michelle.
0: Yes, that's exactly right.
1: Yeah, what's that, Bingerie Bingery Bam, I think Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And uh,
0: is that, oh, she was, no, well,
1: I'm glad I'm glad she knows
0: of us. Yes, definitely. And uh, she's excited that you guys are coming to Portland out where she's at. Um and, and she was the one that actually uh pointed out to me. She goes, It's kind of a kind of a nuclear theme running through some of uh OMD what with Enola Gay and now Atomic Ranch. And uh your former associate's Atomic Kitten. Is there some kind of yeah <laughs> <that, laughs>
1: He could say that you could say that yeah um i mean it's my connection with atomic ranch really comes in from several several directions i um i've always had an interest in architecture and particularly i mean essentially i'm a 20th century modernist okay you know, that's where i come from uh so i like constructivist and modernist painting Mondrian, uh, Van Dusburg, people like that. I liked Russian Constructivists, um, Bauhaus, and well, particularly when I was younger, I was everything was was modern. Everything was modern with me. Everything was 20th century modern, um, and I think. You know, I didn't grow up. I didn't grow up in anything like an atomic ranch house. The house I grew up in was a very standard English brick-built semi. But growing up in the 60s, I was surrounded by things that would certainly resonate with fans of um, kind of you know American mid-century modernism. Um, I, you know, I, our lounge was you know bright yellow bamboo-patterned wallpaper. Uh, we had uh, the wire coffee tables. We had the um, very famous in England, certainly Richardson's homemaker set of dining um, um, cups and saucers and plates. Things that you know you you would instantly recognise, even though they're British. Yeah, as being kind of mid mid century modern. Um, and the funny thing is, I sort of I wandered away from that for several decades, and then came back to it partly out of my fascination with the Atomic Ranch magazine, but partly because of um, an architect called Cliff May, because my wife grew up in the San Diego area, I thought in so. a Cliff May hacienda style, <laughs> oh, okay. 1930s house. So again, okay, there's, there's a personal sort of, no, it, was, it wasn't quite an atomic ranch house, but it was definitely in there, in the area, right, right. style. Exactly. Um, I, don't if, I don't know if you know Cliff May houses. So.
0: Yeah, that's like my mom's house, is, um, and she's kind of remodeled since then, so unfortunately the wood paneling's been painted over. The uh, kind of the, the mid-century kind of, uh, the one element we had in the house was this div- this divider that was kind of a half wall between the dining area and the living room, and that's all gone now, uh, sadly. And unfortunately, yeah. my wife has no interest at all in mid-century. She's much more of a traditional person. So, uh, I mean, she likes interior design and things, but as far as having a house that's mid-century modern, uh, not much of an interest there. Um. Yeah. Do, do you like, um, I'm interested in your opinion on this, when people take a mid-century modern and try to bring it into the 20th, 1st century, or are you more of a fan like me of trying to make it maybe look more like it did then, but still with just some you know, contemporary elements? Because there seems to be two schools of thought on that.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not a particular fan of much modern um, interior design. So, I would rather live in a period interior. Um, There are several of which I'm happy to deal with. I mean, I went through a phase where I lived in a house, you know, I lived in a house that was built in 1550. Oh, wow. (laughs) And, yeah, so the interior for that was all, you know, basically black, several centuries old uh, oak furniture. And,. you know, it was open fires and stone floors, and uh, so yeah, I, I'm not really not really big on kind of updating old styles. Um, I, I would rather have something look convincingly, period. I don't mind you throwing in a large screen tele- you know, yeah, yeah. television set or something right. like that. <laughs> exactly,
0: yeah. I'm with you. Um So as far as architecture and your interest in it, does a lot of that stem from history? Because my brother-in-law is actually an architect, but he really is more of a a style and things that look cool type of person, where I'm more of a, what does this building or uh, architecture say about the period in which it was constructed?
1: Well, I mean, you know... Different people come at these things from different directions, don't they? You know, I mean, yeah. it's, I think I'd probably be the same as you. I, mean, I I'm I'm fascinated in many ways by what the style of architecture and, in a broader scale, the design of a period, how that speaks of the mentality of the moment. And I think, in that respect, our song Atomic Ranch is probably an example of us. Analyzing the sort of the utopian dreams of the post-war era, yeah. that you know by the seventies and certainly in the times, turned out to be somewhat more dystopian.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Um, have you have you heard Atomic Ranch? Have you I, seen I've the heard, film clip that I, we made for it? I've heard
0: the entire album, and I've seen the have film. you? Clip. Yes. It's yes, it's and it's wonderful. Which um, oh, I'll get to that in a minute. I wanted to cover more about uh, have architecture.
1: Have you seen the film clip for Atomic Ranch?
0: Yeah, that and the one for Decimal. And I guess there's, okay, a, cool, cool. there's a third one on the way, right? Yeah,
1: there is. Yeah.
0: Okay, cool. Um, as far as uh, like um, modernism and other areas, I, I've always uh, thought maybe you know Michelle over at atomic Ranch Ranch should take on for her next book uh, a thing on atomic schools because my daughter's school was built in 1959. It's got all the great elements of uh, mid-century modern. It's got the scallops and you know exposed beams in the ceilings and things like that. It's just a it's just a cool thing. Um, so, uh, getting to the uh, to the album itself here, um, we, you know, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation if uh, History of Modern wasn't such uh, a great album, the, the previous LP, because as I discussed with Paul, of course, there are a lot of bands from uh, the, the 80s era that, you know, come back on the album, and it's kind of like, eh, yeah, you know, <laughs> not so much, but uh, History of Modern was uh, was amazing, uh, as is the new album. Thank you. yeah. So I, I got Paul's opinion on that as far as what kept things fresh. Well, how did you see it, both history of modern uh, and English electric uh, coming together? How did you manage to keep it, you know, well, not only good, but, you know, uh, fresh sounding, but still with that OMD sound?
1: I think the bottom line is quite simple, is why are you making the record? And unfortunately, there are many people who... They want to continue their career. They enjoy being in the music business. That's how they make their living, they tour, they enjoy all the tappings of it. Um, unfortunately, they forget that they got into it because usually, particularly if they were self-driven and they're singer songwriters and musicians, they got into it because they wanted to express themselves and they had something to say that resonated with an audience. Now, unfortunately, what seems to happen is that somewhere down the line, they run out of things to say. Um, and I don't know why that is with musicians and, uh, and, and singers and, art and musical artists, because, you know, the great painters and sculptors and architects don't seem to run out of ideas, and the no. filmmakers don't necessarily seem to run out of ideas. But the musicians seem to run out of ideas, and. and and so the problem is they they feel bound to make a record because their career demands it, but they don't actually have anything to say. Now, we were very frightened of making a record, but we were reassured by the fact that we felt that we did have something to say. Now, you know, it's, we could have been completely conceited and, and self-indulgent and been, you know, convincing ourselves we had something to say, and in fact we didn't. But um, it turned out that you know people like yourself seem to um, seem to think that we weren't deluding ourselves and that we you know we had something something to say because I think that's the bottom line is there's no point making a record that's just some sort of poor pastiche of your former self that's just empty. If you're going to make something, it's got to be about something. You've got to put in some ideas and some passions and some energy. Um, And so I think both History of Modern and English Electric share that. The difference between them is that I think History of Modern was a collection of songs in various OMD styles that was really more about just reflecting on our musical history and also... um, proving that proving, proving to ourselves in every else that we could still write songs, although they were spread over there's quite a lot of them that went back a few years and we sort of cleaned them up and dusted them off yeah, yeah, so English electric is all new, um, apart from one song that that we revamped that 's twenty years old. Everything else has basically been done in the last two years, so it has a kind of holistic energy because it all came together in the same space and time.
0: Okay, that seems like a good place to end part one of the interview with Andy McCluskey. Why don't we go ahead and listen to the brand new single from OMD's 12th studio album, English Electric. This is Metroland. Metroland, the brand new single from OMD, available from the 25th of March in the UK for download, which means it should be available in North America from the 27th of March. The album English Electric, the 12th studio album from OMD, available April 8th in the UK, April 9th in North America. I like this a lot as a first single. It's a little different from ones they've released uh, previously. Uh, Sister Mary Says and History of Modern Part 2. This is a little more ethereal, a uh, little more melodic than those tracks. Uh, so I'm, I'm digging this one a lot. This is my, uh, my big thing of the week, if you will. And uh, we're going to let this play out while I do the credits. You can, uh, let me see, follow me at uh, on Twitter at PF66. Uh, you can like the podcast on Facebook, and I hope you do. Uh, PF State Recorder in Facebook. Let me see. Uh, the logo, of course, designed by Dan Koble. His new podcast with his buddy Logan. That is up. We will have links to that on the Bean page. And let me see. You can follow him, by the way, at TigerDactyl on Twitter. Uh, music for PF Tape Recorder composed and performed by John Baropoulos and Doug O'Connor with a little help from me. Uh, that is all the business we have for this week. Stay tuned next week. So long and thanks for listening.